BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, nerds? This is Just a Couple Arslings, the Last Kingdom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We're writers for Sci-Fi Wire's fangirls who started recapping The Last Kingdom in Season 3, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica, what's Ooh. up? Okay, I think you know what we need to talk about today because it's all I've seen on Twitter and I'm so over it, so <laughs> let's just rant. Yeah, let's do it. I, you know, I, a friend of mine was actually at that, at that the thing that we're about to discuss and he was messaging me about it and so I've been raging about it internally <sighs> for Poor two dude. days now so I am uh, I'm ready to uh, discuss it would you like to get our listeners up to speed <laughs> yeah okay guys um, so we're obviously we're uh, the Last Kingdom fans. We're also Game of Thrones fans. That's a really great genre show. Fans, genre um, fans in general I genre think fans would be in a general. great way yeah, and to I describe think- us. I, I'm assuming like these two shows probably have a little bit of overlap because they do feel, you know, similar in kind of some of the themes and uh, things like that. So uh, hopefully you're interested in this. But um, the Game of Thrones creators, um, D&D, David, yes. David Benioff. Benioff and Dan... Weiss. Uh, Weiss. D.P. Okay. Weiss, yeah. You know what? I, I'll only call them D&D because, like, right. they don't really have personalities. So oh. um, <laughs> they uh, they had, they gave a panel at the Austin uh, Film Festival. Was it yesterday or today? It was uh, on Saturday. Okay, yeah, this weekend. It was on Saturday. So, yeah, basically just, you know, so they skipped Comic-Con this year. I think they kind of knew there was going to be some backlash and they just weren't like feeling it. Now, I guess the dust has settled and they want to talk about the show and what it was like creating it. And Mm. honestly, I think we could have all done without. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what they thought they were going to gain from this discussion. And what's crazy to me is how badly it went. I mean, the moderator, they were pretty softball questions when you think about it. But there was this, there was a thread going around Twitter that basically outlined the whole discussion. And it was basically an admission that they didn't know what they were doing. They had no business making the show. And that everything good that came from the show was from Martin's writing, the cast performances, and, like, everybody on the technical side, the costume designers, the cinematographers, that kind of thing. Like, these guys had no... They had no experience, and they basically were like, yeah, we we didn't have any experience, but we just went in there, and we pitched HBO with our pilot, and they went for it. And it was just... It was, it was such an admission of privilege in a way that I can't... They didn't... They weren't aware that, like, this was, this is not, like, a cute anecdote. Like, oh, we lucked into this, and this was our first project. I think one of them, let me find, one of them said this was basically, like, film school for them was working on this project. So they were handed millions of dollars to make such a massive undertaking, and they had done nothing to earn that. And I think people knew that. Like, in a way, because, I mean, Weiss didn't have many credits to his name at all. And Benioff had written a couple of things and worked on a couple of projects. Like, he wrote, was it Troy, I think he wrote? And a few other things. But, like, they did not have the, the experience that a woman or a person of color would have been required to have to be handed a project like this. And oh, they to just... To even be in the conversation. I mean... Right. It's just insane. And, yeah, and so, like... It felt it's so weird to kind of read that Twitter thread. Yes, it's by the Twitter uh, user Needle and Pen, and their Needle handle and is at for Aria. So if you want to go take a look at it, it started on October twenty sixth, and it's worth a read because oh my it God. is yeah, it's she a lot. Does a really great job of kind of breaking everything down, um, and it's like I, I feel at this point it's like there's not much 
to say that we didn't already know. So, I mean, we knew that these guys kind of got this meeting with HBO execs because they, you know, had those kind of connections. I think mm-hmm. one of their dad dads was like a Goldman Sachs like banker or something. Benioff's yeah. dad, and I don't remember exactly the position, but he he had connections at HBO. Like this right. was not just this was not. They didn't just, just like walk into the office of HBO. You can't do that. So right. even though it might seem like it when you read mm-hmm. this thread about these guys, you can't just walk in HBO and be like, "I'm going to pitch a show." And mm-hmm. so they had some connections going in, um, which is why they were even seen and. To kind of, it felt like this whole thread, it felt like this kind of placating, like, well, look at us. We're like G-shucks, guys. And, you know, we we did our best and we cared about it. But, like, we also didn't know what we were doing. So don't judge us too harshly. And it's like, Mm. you were given, one, you were given so much money. Two, you were given a property that has so many invested fans and is Mm. the life's work of this writer. And then you were given, you know, the means to hire all these people and to, you know, get them to work their asses off for you. So the excuse or the the, you know, cute little story of we had no idea what we were doing, but I mean, I guess it worked out like that's not cool. Like that's not right. I don't know what they thought, you know, telling this would kind of accomplish for them or would make maybe it would make people like think they were relatable or think, you know, oh, well, they, you know, they did good for what what they were working with. No, like mm-hmm. they were unqualified and it showed, especially in the later seasons, but in that final season, it definitely showed. It just pisses me off because I know that, like you said, like women of women, women of color, uh, people of color in general are not afforded those same opportunities even today. Like I know this right. show has been on for a while. So this happened a, a while ago, but it's still the same today. Like nothing sure. has changed. Yeah. Yeah. I found the um, Benioff's dad was professional acquaintances with Richard Plepper, who was the head of HBO at the time that mm. they were in production. And they're on the Council of Foreign Relations together. So, like, they had an in. Right. And another thing that was really frustrating to me is how dismissive they were of genre fans in general. Ugh. Um, they actively worked to remove like as many fantasy elements as possible because they quote didn't want to appeal to that sort of fan. They wanted to sort of expand the fan base to people beyond normal fantasy fans. They used the examples they used were odd. They said mothers and NFL players. And that's who I think of when I read Game of Thrones and I'm like, who likes this stuff? Moms and NFL players. Like, I mean, fuck off. I would say, I mean, I would say that women do in general love fantasy, and I think are more open in their love of fantasy. I don't know about more open, but there are plenty of fantasy fans who are mothers. But the idea that a that fantasy fans are not right, a fantasy fans are not something they wanted to appeal to, and b. The idea that like mothers and women couldn't be fantasy fans is just it's so reductive in their thinking. And it's just, you know, I think I think this was really obvious to a lot of people who watch the show. And as long as they had source material, they could make it work. You know, you could I mean, you go back and watch. I mean, as frustrated as everybody is about the final season, the final two seasons, really, those first three, four seasons are so good and well done and because they had you know they had martin's writing and mostly martin's storytelling because i will be the first to say i have only read the first game of thrones book because while i really like martin's world building and the storytelling that he does i don't love his writing style and especially how he wrote very young women it just made me uncomfortable and just wasn't for me but i liked this the world and i liked the bones of his story so i watched the show instead and as long as they had that they could make it work but i mean as soon as they left the source material behind like season six had some really great moments in it and i still think it's a good season of the show but as soon as they ran out of track it was really obvious that they they didn't know what they were doing anymore yeah, and I think in this thread, there's there's just so many things where it's like, you know, we didn't, did you kind of read a lot of the source material or things like that? And I was like, no, we just kind of 
um, broke it down like scene by scene, character by character. We didn't like keep a bigger picture in mind or anything like that. Like it was just, right. it just to me felt, again, I don't think they intended it to come off this way. I think they mm. thought they were being kind of like it, it's cutesy, you know, but it read to me like just such a disrespect to the material and to the fan base. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make sense to me because as a, you know, if I was a showrunner and this was my first show and I w- it was HBO and they were throwing millions of dollars at this thing, I would dig into literally anything I could to mm-hmm. build this thing out and to make it the best it could be. And I think right. the fact that they're talking about in season one, they <laughs> ran out of money and they only had 30 minutes, you know, in an episode and they had to build it out to like, you know, 60 minutes like they had promised. And right. so they added like scenes of like Cersei and um, Robert together because they realized there was no scene of Cersei and Robert talking. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. seriously, like that's. You know, you realize, like, oh, we don't have enough time. Let's, like, put in some of these characters. They haven't. It just felt so discombobulated and so messy. And I can't imagine what it was like working for them, especially that first season or two when they're still, like, you know what I mean? I hope that things kind of got into a rhythm. Yeah. As they have admitted, did not know anything. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine what it was like. I feel. I mean. My heart goes out to the Game of Thrones crew because that show is good and it's good because of the hard work that everyone else put into it, I think. Yeah, and they said, um, Weiss talked about how they let the actors really redefine the roles, particularly um, Maisie Williams and Arya. And they began to write more for the actors than they did for the characters. And he said that they learned about the characters from the actors. And in a way, I like understand that it's a collaborative process. But as the showrunners, I feel like they should have a better, should have had a better handle on the, you know, the direction of the ship, you know, like, yeah, this is stuff that you should know. And, you know, the moderator even asked them, like, why did they choose to write all the episodes by themselves if they were so limited in their experiences? And they literally said, because we didn't know better. And so, you know, they could have brought in more writers, they could have brought in more women, and they really didn't. Like, there are a few episodes that have additional writers, like, especially with Brian Cogman, but... For the most part, they wrote all of it, and it just... Well, and what's weird about that is, like, it's not even like a, we didn't know any better, guys. Like, you know, like, all shucks. It's like, he said, David said, HBO wanted them to hire other writers. And Mm -hmm. so their kind of placating HBO was to say, yeah, we'll we'll hire Brian Cogman, who was their assistant. So it also feels like a very territorial thing of, like, we don't, like, trust people. Like, we want it to be all us. You know what I mean? This is our thing. Like, it felt very, I don't know. It just, ugh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And, you know, with Game of Thrones coming to an end and, you know, the lack of diversity on screen and the lack of diversity in the writer's room, it kind of just makes me more excited about upcoming projects, um, fantasy projects that are, that, you know, they're still fully taking shape, but the things that we've seen about them, I think, are a little more exciting. Like, I know Netflix's take on um, The Grishaverse by Lee Bardugo, those, that series has a lot of people excited and has a lot of fantasy elements. And Amazon is doing Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings. And I just, I really hope that these new projects can sort of learn from what Game of Thrones did right and also fix what Game of Thrones didn't get right yeah still excited about fantasy it's a great genre i love it so much fantasy is such a good world like we love it and we just want i mean i think there's not like there's no stigma attached to it if you if you Mm -hmm. have a stigma it's you're putting it on the genre yourself like so i want these kind of showrunners that are wanting to create really elevated material to maybe clue into that a little bit more like fantasy fans are very shrewd we're smart we're you know what i mean it's just like it's not we're not right. in our like parents basements <laughs> like, <laughs> like playing world no. of warcraft and reading game of thrones <laughs> right and i think i think we deserve good material and we deserve you know stuff that challenges us and gives us something of value instead of just you know throwing things of at you and be like, all right, whatever, you guys don't care, you'll love it and accept it no matter what we give you. 
And so I think, I don't know, I'm optimistic about new stuff and I'm ready to leave Game of Thrones behind. Well, let's leave Game of Thrones behind and let's move on to a show that does a lot of things right. Um, yes. Especially this episode. Yes. Cue segue music. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 7 of season 2 of The Last Kingdom. It's a doozy. It's like a, a doozy. It's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah, you know, this episode starts really high tension, like after what went down in London, and they go back to the ruined camp, and almost everybody's dead. Athelflaed's been taken, and Tira luckily survived oh, by hiding God. in the woods. And it's just, it's a tense moment. Not a single man left living. No woman. She's the daughter of King Alfred. They would not kill her. They would not. Yes, everyone is murdered, dead, and they think that Ethelfled is also, you know, her body's laying somewhere. Um, mm. Luckily, that's not the case. But I think the most distressing part of this kind of like the boys coming back to camp is watching Bayoka just have this little meltdown Ugh. over Tira and not being able to I find know. her. I was so verklempt over this. Like, yes. I just had to stop it and be like, oh my God, she's fine. I know she's fine and he's going to figure it out soon. And then when she runs out of the, the woods and they're just screaming each other's names and running to each other, it's like every bad thing I've thought about Bioka, I feel so terrible about now. <laughs> <laughs> I I know, I know. Tara is such a good influence on him as a person and as a character I can root for. Yeah, like, I he's, just ugh. their love. He's it's really redeemed him in my eyes because and even after, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but he decides not to kind of be by Uhtred's side and stay in Wessex with her. Mm. And it's just like ugh, I just love to see a guy like putting the woman he loves first for once. Yeah. It's beautiful, and it doesn't always happen on this show. No, it doesn't. Particularly with Athelred. Not that he loves Athelfled, but he fakes being in love with her in public to, you know, keep up appearances. And, of course, you know, he's more concerned about, like, oh, my gosh, they've taken her. She's not going to be, like, pure anymore. What Ugh. are they going to do to her? Like, his his first thought is so much about their shared reputation and not her safety. And it's so classic Ethelred and it's really disgusting. It's disgusting and it's so frustrating because you know you see he was the one who wanted her out there so that he could like control her and of course Aldhelm, his whispering right hand is like, hey buddy that was a bad call. You should lie about that and blame her for being taken. Which ugh, just the worst. Dick move, dude. I mean he makes so many dick moves but mm. that's, like, the worst is to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, she was captured, but, like, I didn't even want to bring her to battle. Right. It was she she's just so strong-willed. And like, I love her so much. Come on, man. Like, Alfred's not going to buy that. I mean, she is strong-willed, but, like, he's he knows she's her husband. Stupid. Yeah, right. you're supposed to, you know, protect her. That's your fucking job. And mm. and the real thing that I think Ethelred, I mean, he's clearly like shitting a brick over this news that Ethelfled has been taken mm. because he knows what it says about him, not just as a husband, but as a leader and how right. it's going to look when he comes back to Wessex and tells Alfred and tells all the other lords that he lost his wife in battle. Um, right. And it wasn't even a battle. I mean, they abandoned the city. It wasn't even a battle. And he yeah. tries to play it off like it was some huge fight. Um, and thank God, like, stay up is there and just like, there was no battle. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And it just, you know, I mean, Uhtred pieces out when they're on their way back to Wessex. He's like, hey, man, Alfred doesn't want me to be a part of this. So I'm going to check out. <laughs> He's, you know, obviously he can't completely abandon Athelflaed because he cares about her. So, you know, he sends Citric off to be a spy and figure out what's going on and Beyond Fliot, and so he's not out completely, but he's out in that he's not going to help Athelred explain what happened to Alfred. And so. And he's why left should he? To, I mean. He shouldn't. He he's shouldn't. following orders. This is what they wanted, and this is what they get. I mean, I. I know that it's maybe some people would see it as petty, but honestly, I that's the 
you know, road I would take. Like, you've made yeah. it very clear you don't trust me. You don't want me there. I'm not going to, like, bend over backwards to be there, you know? Sure. Sure. And, you know, he had, you know, they go back to cook him and he has that really lovely. I've just, I love every little moment that he and Gisela have together. They <sighs> just, they're so good together. And, you know, she's there to tell him, you know, I know you care about Athelflaed. I know you're not going to just abandon her. I noticed so there. many of these moments now that we're like going through this again. Like I didn't. I know. There's so many things. I just, I don't know why I blacked these things out. But his relationship with Gisela and the way she can just cut through his bullshit. I mean, cut through everyone's bullshit. Like, yeah, if she was running Wessex, you know, things would not be. It would be mess. so much better. <laughs> it would just make Gisela queen of everything. And Wessex would be a thriving, peaceful place. She's such a great, like, female character on this show because she's not, I mean, it's not like she's wielding, like, a sword or an axe or whatever, but she is able to control and manage these men um, in a way that they don't even realize she's doing. And so it's, like, it's just so, I love it when you see, like, these different kind of shades of of what a woman could be in that time. And um, I would choose to be Gisela. (laughs) Yeah, she's very, like, gently crafty, you know, like, she's always a couple steps ahead, and she's always, I wouldn't, manipulation feels like the wrong word, but she, she pushes Uhtred in the way that she knows is right, but she does it in such a way that she doesn't belittle him, she doesn't, you know, force him into something that he doesn't want to do, but she's always there to sort of push him towards the right path, and the path that ultimately is what he wants, he just sometimes takes a little longer to figure it out than she does. Yeah, he's a little little stubborn. Um, right. And she can do that because she knows him so well. I mean, they're so right. in tune with each other. And I think you see that in the conversation that he has when he's back at Cookham. Um, uh, our little baby monk, Osforth, comes and he's oh, like, oh, you I love the baby monk. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you told me to come find you, you know, and um, they have like their little like fish stew dinner. And she's like, look, you know, he's going to say yes, but he just wants to do it to piss Alfred off. And and Uchid's like, well, she's not wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just love that they can just call each other out and be completely I mean, it feels so honest, like their relationship and I think yeah. that's so good for Uhtred because his last one with Mildred was just toxic. It was so not toxic. Good. It was full for, of like they just neither of them are bad people, but they were bad together. Yeah, you know? I mean they were trying to like suppress their natures to please each other, and yeah, it, was it just match. was not good. It was a bad so match. It, it's nice to see Gisela kind of. Yeah, I mean he's the she's the woman that he needs, and right. Ugh, I'm I'm really falling in love with her this season, I have to say. I know. It's so good. Um, and yeah, so while they're having all their like nice moments, Athelred goes before Alfred and is like, Well, she's kinda gone. She was taken. But her like you fault. said, like <laughs> Right, her fault and you know, we took London and I liked that Sayapa and Bayoka were both there to not let Aldhelm make Uhtred look bad, you know, that he was going to blame it all on Uhtred and be like, well, he should have known, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, actually, this is on you. You're not going to make Uhtred look bad. You're not going to be like, well, what did Uhtred know? And how did they know that she would be at the camp? And just, I like that he has more people who have his back, even if Alfred doesn't. We fear that she has been taken we pray that is the outcome, Lord. By the Northmen. Ethelfred was with you. All the things they will do to her. She was there. You took my daughter into battle. So here's the deal. I mean, things are bad. So we've we've lost Ethelfled to the Vikings, to Eric and Siegfried. You know it's bad because Aelsweth is even, like, whispering, like, Upset. should we bring Uhtred back? Um, right. When Aelsweth sh- is on Uhtred's <laughs> side, you know shit's it's getting real. Something <laughs> has happened. We're in the upside down. But my main issue is, you know, I think this season I've really noticed, because, again, I feel like we flew through the first two seasons to get to the third. And in the third, yes. um, not without spoiling too much, Edhelm is not that bad of a dude. But he, he's terrible in this season. He is the worst this season. And I'm yeah. every episode I'm just being reminded of like how little a threat Ethelred poses and how much more of a threat he becomes thanks to this when guy. When he starts 
right. This guy is whispering in his ear and telling him the things that he should do. And Athelred wouldn't have thought of half this shit on his own. But, you know, Aldhelm's more of a thinker and he wields a, a lot of influence with Athelred. Yeah. And so Athelred is, is a, a wet blanket. And, right. And, and Aldhelm is a shitster extraordinaire. Seriously. He's. Yeah. I mean, it's like. And the thing that really bugs me is. I think kind of knowing how he he improves in season three to like see him now and to be like, why are you doing this, dude? I mean, right. what's the end game here? I get that. It's all you know, about the pursuit of power. Patriotic. Yeah. We want Mercia to to kind of rule over everything. And maybe it's like. Yeah, I wouldn't call it patriotism. I think it's more the quest for power. Like he mm. knows that he knows how much influence he has on Athelred. So if he can position Athelred, who has you know, this capability of gaining power, he can sort of ride on his coattails and get some for himself. Yeah. Well, sucks that you got stuck with Ethelred, of all people, to do that. Yeah. Like, he hitched his his cart to the wrong horse, and it's just a mess. But, yeah, there's some really good insults thrown at Ethelred after this conversation with Alfred when Ada is like, you are as useless as you are arrogant (laughs) with ambition far beyond your capability. I was like, man, that's a great burn. Like, that is so good. Uh, Stow that away for (laughs) someone who really, like, pisses you off in your own life. Um, Right. And maybe, like, record yourself saying it to them and then send it to us and we'll play it on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, No, I I love... Here's the thing. I love Ada. Um, I I think he's only gotten better as this season has gone on. And I think he's he's been through so much shit and he's seen so much. Murdered his own son because he was a shithead. (sighs) Murdered his own son, man. That's that's hard. He did what he had to do. So he's earned the right to say whatever the fuck he wants. And he's doing it. And he's drinking all the wine. And you know what? I don't I don't hate where his arc is going. You know what I mean? Like if he's just gonna be like telling it how it is every episode, like I'm down with that. Ada is the wine mom of Essex. Oh my god! Essex. Like that's that's the role he plays now. <laughs> He's such a wine mom. Ugh. He is. He is. Um, yeah. So like, well, all this is going down in Wessex. Like Eric and Siegfried have taken <laughs> Athelflaed. Yes. Let's she's, get to it. She's riding off to the castle with Eric sitting right behind her. They're like close. It's great. He's like whispering in her ear. It's yeah. very aggressive at the beginning, but like it's. The sparks fly pretty soon, and, you know, she gets to be on Fliot, and it's really frightening because all these dudes want a piece of her, but luckily, like, Eric takes care of it, and, like, she's back in some sort of cell that's, you know, it's got a bed, so it's not the worst situation she can be in. He's trying. <laughs> he has limited resources right now, and he's going to make this, this Airbnb like, as nice tough. as possible. <laughs> he's got to appear tough to his bros. Like, he right. can't, he's got a rep to protect, you know. Right. Um, and But you can tell that he, like, softens to her pretty immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, she's gorgeous, and she's wonderful. She's, yeah, she's strong, and she's smart, and who wouldn't fall in love with her? Um, right. And it's, you know, she's so... The the courage she has to kind of keep a stone face when she comes into that, like, yeah. into the fort. Um, and she all these men are, let, like, pawing at her. and Yes, and ugh. she doesn't let any of them see her fear. It's like, I I could not do it. She was incredible. Yeah, and to see, like, the this, like, Viking horde. I mean, these, these guys... They're playing so, field hockey and not they bathing. They field hockey, okay? <laughs> and they're so easy, easily manipulated. Like, you you just promise them wealth and glory, and they are, like, down for whatever. Like, you want me to right. kill someone? I'll kill someone. I'll do it. You want me to, like, grope this woman or rape this woman? I'll do it. Like, it's just, it's a lot. I mean, I right. would do a lot for, like, a fur bed and modern plumbing in that time, but, like, mm. glory and wealth just... I don't know. Not enough to, like, keep me there. Yeah, I guess they don't have much else to do. But I was kind of laughing to myself as I was watching this because it was like, all right, Eric organizes so she can bathe privately and encourages her to eat food. And I'm like, oh. But then I'm like, wow, the bar is in hell. If that that is what I'm like, yes, he's a winner. Six feet under. (laughs) Right, right. But (laughs) no, it's, it's a lot. I mean... 
I don't want to say like I mean Eric is such a good dude I do think our standards are, are much lower than they should be um, mm. <laughs> but I think you know we work with what we've got and if you've got Eric versus Siegfried that's holding you hostage I mean there's a clear winner so right. good on right. Ethelfled for like kind of sussing that out early um, and Eric knows the way to a woman's heart is the promise of a hot bath I mean promise of a hot bath listening to her communicate her needs and being like hey girl please eat so you know put some pounds on like don't starve yourself i'm like yes yeah yeah it's uh he's a good one if yeah you know even if he does some less than savory pillaging on the side sure sure fine well what's not fine though i think you know obviously there's like so they're having this kind of little courtship. Um, I mean, it's there's a lot of Stockholm syndrome like associated with it. But listen, it's still very I sweet. love Beauty and the Beast as a child, <laughs> and I love it now, so I can get past it. Beauty and I the Beast has really it. shaped so many All of our of problematic us. like um, romance ideals. It's true. It's um, true. <laughs> but still, Eric's a dude, a good dude. He's not like surrounded by the best of dudes, and I think we nope. have to talk about uh, Heston. Yeah. Who is just such a dick, and he's, he's so... He's a bad... He's a bad dude. There's something about his fixation with Ethelflaed this episode that just really, like, Upsetting. gave me the creeps. Yeah, it yeah. was... I mean, there was, like, hair standing up on the back of my neck, like, watching him watch her bathe and stuff. I mean, it was just gross. You know, it's one of those... It's really, I think, for... As, as is the case with abuse... Um, it's not about sex for him. It's about power. And mm-hmm. you can tell that, like, she was a woman that he was told to leave alone. So, of course, that makes her more appealing because he wants to exert his power over her as a princess and also over, you know, Eric, who told him no. And so the the combination of factors, I think, really w- was what drove him to... Uh, be attempt to be a rapist so it's not yeah. great i mean this is you know white dudes not getting what they want it's uh, it's not good not it's not good, good but luckily athelfled has a uh a night know, bathroom, a, a night bucket to uh, beat the shit out of him with. So, Who knew? <laughs> right. It's great. And then Eric shows up, finishes the fight, bellows that she's precious, and oh we my all God. swim. Uh, yes. It's so, and I love it how he's like, she's precious. And then he kind of realizes how that could be correctly misconstrued and it's like she has value like yeah like he's i like, meant I it gotta, this way I, I gotta make it feel like she's about gold not the fact that i love her i'm so, strong uh, i have no so feelings yeah, right no right. we have it's a read so on good. you eric like it's clear as fucking day you have puppy Ugh. dog eyes for her it's insane he yeah he loves her and i the moment after is so it's so sad but so beautiful when she like basically tells him like this is kind of old hat to me. Like, mm. I haven't... This is not the first time I've been attacked. This is not, you know, an irregular occurrence. And he kind of realizes the abuse that she's suffering at the hands of her husband. And he knows, just like we know, that she deserves better than that. Yeah, it's so sad because, you know, she makes this, like, little, like, quip about, like, the next time I'll just use my night bucket. And it's mm. funny, but it's also, like, she knows there's going to be a next time. Like, it's yeah. just... It's sad, and, um, you know, it, like, it really warmed my heart because Eric seemed really sad about it, too. I mean, he was like, oh, man, like, you know, I I think Eric just realized how difficult it is for women. women. (laughs) He's become woke. (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far, but, you know, he's beginning to see women as people. Right, right. Medieval, the medieval equivalent of woke. Right, Um, right. No, so... so they they bond after that, and he ends up um, taking her on this like little moonlight, you know, moonlit stroll. Where yes, he, get her some fresh air. She wanted you know, that fresh bitches air. Bitches love fresh air. You know they do when but, they're surrounded yeah. by nature. Things happen. Um, <laughs> and he like tells this sweet little story about how he, you know, he was supposed to be named something else or whatever. We weren't really listening because we just knew that. <laughs> 
it was coming <laughs> and they end up making out and it's the sweetest little thing i mean there's just it's not like hot and heavy i mean no it's, it's a not... very tender moment i'm all in, i'm all about it like yeah. you know i love to thirst but like this is not the time this no. is just romance 101 getting back to the basics and it's good i've never seen a face like this before Now I see it. Even when I close my eyes. Yeah, this is bonding. This is like making a connection with someone. Um, and you can just feel that they they understand each other on a level I don't think they realized they would. So, yeah, I loved that little bit of it. We don't get a lot of this kind of soft, warm um, romance on this show. It's usually like hot and heavy and fast and done, you know? So, right, right. Um, but this is I really like appreciated wooing. this. Yeah. <laughs> this whole episode was just Eric and Ethelfled's like courtship. Um, I know. It's like the soft fanfic of my dreams. Except it's actually happening. Seriously. It's, it's really so nice. Um, but it's then we're reminded. Enemies to lovers enemies happening to, uh, right in front of us. I Such mean, a good trope. It's like OG, like Romeo and Juliet. Like they're yeah, from is. two different worlds. It could never work but it's so right you know <laughs> right it's so good while it lasts um, um but yeah well they're long. like <laughs> right right so while they're you know falling in love utrid shows up after he finds out from citric that she's alive and what they need to sort of take the castle and um so he goes to alfred and is like all right here's what we've got to do and of course Athelred is you know mad because He's not the one who's making these plans, but he also doesn't, you know, he doesn't know what he needs to be doing either. So they <laughs> he just, has no they clue need, what to do. Right. Like, they're all like, uh, what do we do? And Uhtred is here. It's like, all right, here's how we're going to do it. And they're all like, uh, I guess. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on. I mean, it's like it's arrogance and incompetence, like at their peak, you know, it's like. They right. have no clue what they should do, but they don't mm-hmm. want to listen to this dude because they think they're better than him. So right. it's like you get whatever you get. But I'm glad right. that, you know, in the Uhtred end. gets the work done like he always does. He does. He he kind of gets through it. Well, he doesn't get through it. A lot of people petition on his behalf to kind of convince Alfred to let him go with Ethelred to negotiate for Ethelfled. Um and there's some, like, tough conversations had about that because they know that Siegfried and Eric are not dumb. They they mm. know they have a prize in her. And they're going to ask for probably way more than what Wessex and Mercia can give. And there's mm. a, a point when, uh, you know, Uhtred and Ethelred have, have gone off to, to make this kind of bargain. And Ada, you know, has this conversation with Alfred where he's like... Look, a lot of people have given their lives, you know, for this idea of a united England. Don't mm-hmm. like bankrupt us like before we've begun by trying to save your daughter. Like it's sure. you know, if you can, great, but like there has to be a limit. And it's like that's such a tough thing for him to say because it is. It, it's very correct. I mean, it's shrewd, but yeah. he's also but known this girl for her yeah. entire life. Yeah, there's a moment where he tells him, you are a king before you are a father. Mm. And Alfred is like, I know my place. And it's one of those things where, you know, we've seen Alfred make so many seemingly harsh decisions based on, you know, his position as king. And so it's kind of insane that Otta's like, hey, man, remember that you're a king when Alfred is very hellbent on reminding everybody that everything he does is for the glory of England, whatever. But even then, like, you know, as a father, he is compromised. Of course they will make outrageous demands. That is the purpose of strong negotiation to ensure there is agreement. You intend to negotiate, Lord? I intend to recover my daughter. I think this is the hardest decision he's had to make yet because it's so personal. You know, like there's the if this doesn't go well, he could lose the kingdom and, you know, one of the people that he loves most in the world. So, yeah. So, um, you know, Uhtred is trying to prevent that. He he goes off uh, to to be on feet with a group of people that includes Ethelred and Edhelm. And of yeah. course, they're kind of like in the back like so they meet up with Heston and he's like you know what you can have half your party but you gotta walk I do have to I do wonder though like Osforth obviously I love him and want him to be around because he's a delight but how was he in like the final group to go to Bamfleot when they were like all right you can take half he has no fighting skills he's not you know 
there to negotiate. He's just kind of like hanging out because the rest of his buddies went, but he still got made the final cut. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right, I, I guess. Have no clue. I mean, maybe <laughs> like at, over after dinner, like they just like had some drinks and and really bonded around a fire and cook them. Right. I don't know. Um, right. You know. Also, he's a religious man. Maybe they thought maybe they Ethelflaed right. would want to like speak with a priest. I don't know. Mm. Um, I'm not. Not mad at it, but right. you're right. It like it doesn't make tactical doesn't make sense. sense. <laughs> but I'm glad uh, he's there. I'm glad he's there. Good yeah. for him. He brightens uh, <laughs> any any party he's a part of. But it's true. Um, yeah, so Ed Helm and Ethelred are kind of in the back, still fucking scheming as they always do. With the, he also mm. brings up what you know Ada has told Alfred, which is you know, what's the price? Like, there's only yeah. so far we can go. And, um, yeah. Was <clears throat> so this then, one, I, was it him? His, I remember at some point in this episode, somebody refers to sharing the burden of your daughter. And I feel yeah, like it may have been at this point. And I was like, ah, the it's burden. Gross. It's, it's gross. so gross. It was one of the Mercy and Lords um, when they You're had right. that little, You're like, right. con when bab. they had the Witten. Yeah, the little Witten. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a dick thing to say. I mean, that's it's awful. Just, like, she's not a fucking burden. Maybe your lord shouldn't have, like, let her so close to battle and she would have oh, been taken, God. you know? Right, right. But the only good thing about Ethelred being there is how he's treated by yes. the Danes. Like, <laughs> uh, Siegfried and Eric immediately suss out that not only is he a weakling who wields no real power, he's a real dick about it. So he gets knocked out by this giant Danish dude. And they're like, all right, we know that he's not the one that we really need to be talking to to get stuff done. So they strip him naked and dump him with the pigs. And it's just... It's where it's he belongs. It's a pretty glorious moment. <laughs> it's where he belongs. You love to see it. You really you love do. To see it. Yeah. So while he's sleeping it off um, with the pigs, Uhtred is kind of given this, you know, responsibility to bargain for um, Ethelfled with Siegfried yeah. and Eric. And um, it's, I mean, I think it goes about as, as well as you expect it to. Um, I think it's really interesting, like, the games that both sides are playing in this, you know, like, Eric is obviously keeping to himself how much he cares about mm-hmm. Ethelfled, but so is Uhtred. You know, like he's, you know, he's speaking about her in ways that he never would have in real life, but he right. knows that he needs to, you know, if they sense that emotion in him, they'll only exploit it for more gold. So he has to play it off that, like, she's not that great. You know, we can, we can, she'll be fine. We'll be fine without her. But also Alfred really wants his daughter back. And so this is what we'll pay you. She's not Alfred's favorite. That's why he married right. her to this turd. You know, like, <laughs> right, he, he's right. really like playing some mind games. And I mean, Siegfried is as well. I mean, he's not yeah. as, as boorish and like brutish as he, as he is. He's not dumb. He's not stupid. I no. Mean, especially when it comes to, to kind of bargaining for gold. I mean, that's right up his alley. So we don't like find out what the, the final price is, but I gotta think it's it's a lot because it's it's quite high. They know. I mean, if they've come all this way and they've given you a price and then they said, well, we can go up to this, you know that they can still keep going up. Like, sure. I've watched Succession. I know how mm. these things work. Mm. Yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think I think this whole negotiation really shows how much Uhtred has grown because not only is he, you know, reading Siegfried and not just, like, lashing out on pure emotion, he's really playing the game, he's also observing Eric and how he's yes. responding, and he, like, immediately susses out that Eric is, like, full-on in love with her. And then Eric, you know, he admits to Uhtred that he's in love and he can't let her go, blah, blah, blah. And so he takes her to takes Uhtred to see Athelflaed. And she basically says the same thing. She's like, I'm not going back to my shit husband. I'm going to go off with my Danish boyfriend. We're going to have a beautiful <laughs> life together and you're going to make it happen. Lady, he's a Northman and a pagan. They is a pagan as you are a Any pagan. Any hope that you have of a life together is nonsense. It will fail. It will not. Merely because it's what you wish for. Lady, it can never happen. Well, it must. 
And if and you Uchi- don't, I will kill myself. Kill myself. <laughs> I'm like, all right. God, she's the defi- melodrama. She's she's definitely 17. Yeah. Like this First is love. like the little. This is like you know the Little Mermaid. Daddy, I love him. Like that's exactly what's going on here. And <laughs> like just met him five minutes ago. Right. You're right. already to like throw down your life for him. Risk it. Risk it all for yeah. that blonde ponytail. Um, and Uhtred is like. Yikes. You guys have not thought this through. <laughs> Yikes on bikes. <laughs> Yikes on bikes. Oh, my God. Happy Avendings reference. I love you so much. Um, yeah, it's like, it's not good. And Uhtred knows that it's never going to end well for them. And Athelflaed basically says that she doesn't care. You know, like, she she's like, this is the Fuck decision it. that I've made. Fuck you. Fuck my dad. Fuck my husband. I'm going to do this. And that's kind of where the episode ends, where Uhtred is like, all right. I guess I'm like he can't abandon her and so this is kind of his only option is to make all of her dreams of Danish children and a lovely husband come true but that's too nice to happen on this show Uh, yeah and you know poor Richard he comes into this thing thinking I just have to like bargain with these two dudes like I can do this and then we'll like get it figured out and he comes in he has to deal with (laughs) high school romance seriously he comes into that fucking cell and is immediately like what the hell happened in the like you know, few days that she's been here. right, right. <laughs> I it never. Well, I think it's. I think it's, it's been, been more than a few a days it's been a because, while. like, Citric had time to like get in there and like you know become a spy, ingratiate himself with the Danes, and like get all the information back and forth. So, I'm sure it's been a few months, but still, it's not like you know forever. And I, I mean, it's also like. They've only stolen moments, like, in between, like, right. cell guard changes, you know? Right, like, right. It's like they've been, like, with each other 24-7. It's, it's, mm. I mean, it's a lot, but I'm not going to hate on it. Find your love where you can, you guys. Right. <laughs> Even if relation- it's with a Viking warrior that's, like, captured you. <laughs> right. Holding you for ransom. Well, you know, those kind of relationships that are born in heightened dramatic circumstances always burn pretty hot from yeah. the get-go. So, yeah, Very true. it's a lot. It's a lot. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's time for our next episode, Wishes. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what do you want to see? I think it's pretty clear that I am fully on board with this romance. It just, it (laughs) makes me want to die, but in, like, such a good way. It's 100% my shit injected into my veins. Um, I, like, I know that it's only going to end in tears, but the angst just, it fuels me, and it's what I need (laughs) right now. (laughs) The torture is so sweet. It's so good. (laughs) It hurts so good. Um, So I want more Eric and Azelflaed. Like, I know it's going to be tragic. I don't care. I want all of the, you know, the romance you know, swoon town, population me. <laughs> it's a lot. And so I want that and I want more, you know, the continuation of the humiliation of Athelred. It's just, it's the cherry on top of this beautiful Sunday. Yeah, I mean, we're fucking suckers and <laughs> I want the same it's thing. It's really transparent. <laughs> we're like, oh God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I know this isn't going to last. It's a full stream. Um, oh, but it's so good though. It's, 
It's such a Romeo and Juliet kind of story. And we're already talking about suicide, so you just know it's not right. going to go where you want it when to go. When suicide is immediately on the table, <laughs> that's not a great sign. That's plan A. Right. I mean, plan A is to escape, but plan, plan B, B is suicide. I feel like there should be a few more options, but nope, that's it. Yeah, if we could get a little bit farther down in the alphabet, I'd feel better about this. <laughs> but because we don't, it's not going to end well. Right. Um, and... You know, I like the the little spark of hope in me is, you know, hopes that maybe good things will happen to good people. Um, but then I'm just like just the cynical side just like punches me in the face and is like, I you know. know, fuck off, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> so um, those are our next episode wishes. Yeah. But we know that they won't. Happen. Right. <laughs> I don't right. know how helpful this has been. <laughs> well, you know what? They know how we feel. And that's fine. Look, yeah, we will we'll believe until the end. Right, right. Maybe maybe the episodes are different this time through. Maybe. <laughs> we missed so much with Gisela. Right. Maybe we missed this. Maybe I made up right. everything that happened to Eric and Ethel Fled later on. <laughs> The Last Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our arsling of the episode is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, I think I can probably guess, and, you know, same for me, we're pretty transparent in our praise (laughs) this time around, but uh, who is your arsling of the episode? Okay, so I'm going to... You know, do a little 180. Um, mm. Eric, well, because Eric was my Arsling of the Week last episode, or Arsling right. of the episode last yeah. episode. Right. Um, so I don't want to, like, spend too much time, like, fawning over his romance skills. I mean, I think someone sure. should, because this right. dude was, like, able to, like, win over this woman that he had captured and held for ransom. So there's some serious, like, um, skill there. Yeah. But I think I'm going to call out Sigfrid this week. Okay. And it's going to be the only time I ever do this. But <laughs> he, because he's such a tool and, you know, I will not miss him when he's gone. But he did strip Ethelred naked and throw him in a pig pen. And you can't not cheer for that. So, right. good that on you, Sigfried. That makes sense to me. <laughs> right. You get this one free pass. You get this one, okay? Right. Right. We'll throw you a bone because you did a good thing, even if everything else you do is pretty evil. Yeah, I know I'm going to regret this. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to go with Ethelfled. You know, we talked a little bit about, like, For sure. kept her, she kept her head held high when all these dudes were, like, pawing at her and being super creepy. And she, you know, she handled a tough situation with such grace and... You know, they found love in a hopeless place. And oh my so, God, Rihanna! I know. Oh, Rihanna. This is the um, story Rihanna sang about. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I'm sure, somewhere on the internet, there is a fan vid about them with that song. Oh, as it the has main to track. be. We're going to like scour YouTube I gotta and find, find it. it. I got to find it. But yeah, she clung to true love at the same time. And, you know, this is such a tough situation for her, but she still is just maintaining her dignity in such a powerful way and you know she's beating the shit out of Heston she's being emotionally vulnerable and she's getting what she wants and that is you know that's an energy that we need to take into 2020 for sure because we are also being held hostage right in not a situation like a romantic have- fun way <laughs> <laughs> this is a situation I have a lot of experience in and yes. I really want to you know bring the Ethelflit energy to everything I do <laughs> Get ready to shame none, the worst character of the episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. Alyssa, who were you just, like, could not stand this episode? Okay, I feel like Athel Fred, Athel Red, not Fled, Red, is an obvious choice, so I'm going to go with his sort of whispering advisor, mm. Aldhelm. Good you know, choice. He's a true snake in the grass, and he's constantly, you know, encouraging Athelred to go after his worst impulses. And not only that, like, he's clearly smarter than Athelred, so he's pointing out awful things that this would-be king never would have thought of on his own. So, you know, get this guy out of here before he starts a war. Yeah. Another war. He's definitely the more dangerous of the two. Yeah. And, again, like, Ethelred would be nothing without him. So it's like, we kind of have him to blame for Ethelred, and that's mm. not a good look, dude. Like, No, it's do not. not like you. Um, yeah, good choice. I'm going to—I'm I'm pretty sure I called out Ethelred last episode as well. So, again, 
just know he is a turd. He will always be a turd. We just can't keep calling him out every episode. Right. We gotta um, shake things up every once in a while. Gotta shake it up. Gotta give you someone else to hate. He will be a turd again. <laughs> so, you know. He will. Just... As soon as we can get him back in here, guys, we will. He will okay? be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's a steaming pile of shit. I think Heston uh, hmm. gave him a run for his money this episode because, you know, <clears throat> First off, he's super creepy about Ethelflaed and the leering and the kind of, you know, toxic masculinity, like, quickly gives way to this, like, fixation um, yeah. that is so, like, off-putting and so dangerous to Ugh, her. And he ends up kind of defying his orders and just being like, fuck it, I know I was told to keep her safe, but I'm actually going to go in and rape her. And honestly, he deserved to be, like drenched in all of the piss buckets of all of Wessex. And I'm True. so proud of Ethelflaed for doing that. And I'm happy that the show did not give us a rape scene uh, this episode. Another, would not another have survived rape it. scene. Yeah. yeah. He's just the worst. And it's his fixation with her is very unsettling. And I don't think it's the last we've seen of that. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm just calling him out now because I'm sure I'm going to hate on him again. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this episode. Jessica, would you like to get us started? Uh, always. So, <laughs> you know, we didn't get a lot this episode. I think mm. we got, you know, some cute little tender moments. It was a very romance-heavy. Yes, yeah, very, very romance-heavy. Romance and you know what? We love that, okay? We're love not it. saying we don't love that. Um, right. But if we have to mine some thirsty bits out of it, it's a little bit difficult. So, mm. you know, there's a cute moment between Uhtred and Gisela by the dock and it's that, emotional thirst yeah emotion there you go <laughs> it's good for the soul it's right. soup for the soul right. um, obviously the main bromance of this episode was between Eric and Ethelfled and watching them kind of you know connect and him woo her it had me really up in my feels but there was something about that like moonlit stroll that he takes her on where he's telling her about his childhood and then he correctly like guesses that her husband is just like a twat to her that did something to my lady bits because you know a man who actually listens like I didn't know those still existed so you know it's funny like I feel like this is the year where people are realizing how thirsty women are for men who listen like that that really became apparent again to bring up Fleabag with the hot priest because that is the thing that every every woman who was like so horned up for the hot priest was like I mean yes Andrew Scott is a handsome man but it's because he listens and he sees her and it's not like a trial for him to listen to her and know her it's just something that he wants to do and is naturally doing and I think that's kind of the same situation here with Eric. And, you know, she she says to him, you know, my husband does not see me. And so, yeah, it's the same thing here. It's all about the listening. And that is just, you know, dudes, listen to your ladies. Take it's not hard. And like, I know that's a very heteronormative way to back. say that. But, like, I feel like this is a hallmark of straight relationships. So sorry to be all, you know. He, she, heteronormative, but whatever. Um, but yeah, like, you know, this, like we said, it's not a blatantly sexy episode, but the romance in it is so good. And that is just, you know, if you don't feel anything when he's screaming that she's precious, you might be dead inside. So. Yeah, check your pulse. Something's wrong. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you know, this is a, this is probably, I mean, I would say this is the most romantic episode of the series I oh think. yeah a hundred because you've got you've got the newer romance with Eric and Athelflaed and you also have that more lived-in romance with Uhtred and Gisela and it's just ugh, on both counts it's so good and I love that you've compared like Eric to the hot priest because now I'm just going to think him think of him as like the Viking hot priest hot priest <laughs> yeah yeah ugh. I think they would have a lot of talk to talk about I wonder if he is also afraid of foxes they would have a lot of wisdom to impart on <laughs> The men of our time. I bet he also <laughs> loves Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. Oh, so. my God. You know Eric is such a Piglet fan. Please. He is such a Piglet fan. He's cracking open those G&Ts and, mm. you know, they would they would get along, you know, cracking manner. Look, I'm telling you, they would get along based on, like, Crossover their fashion sense episode. alone. Yes. Like, he between wonder... the beautiful, like, priest robes and right. then between, like, the, like, shoulder pads full of, like, Yes, they both 
their fashion sense both is has a flair for the dramatic and i think yeah it would be something for them to bond over yeah all right get it get it going <laughs> hey um, wait he was even on fleabag <gasps> oh my god so many connections to fleabag oh ah. my gosh yes he was claire he was on fleabag Oh my Did God. life exist before Fleabag? I just don't no, know. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> okay, so a crossover definitely needs to happen, and we're almost already there, so just right. whoever has to take it across the finish line, mm, go ahead. Do it. I think it's safe to say that we've never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. Uh, we annoy our friends, our family, and now you, our devoted listeners. Welcome to Geek Out which is where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching, reading, listening to, other than this podcast, of course. (laughs) Alyssa, what are you geeking out over uh, this week? Um, Well, I finally caught up. I say finally. It's been out for about a week. Um, uh, Do you watch Letterkenny? Okay, I'm not I'm not caught up, but I have seen like the first couple seasons. Okay, well the new season it's came hilarious. out. It's wonderful. It's such a weird show, but I enjoy it so much. Like the writing is so good and I love how it's so, you know, you watch it and you're like, okay, so this is a show about like hockey and farts and, you know, townies <laughs> doing drugs, but it's so densely written and the wordplay is so good and it's so like subtly progressive while being so goddamn funny. And yeah, it's a super weird show. You know, it's funny, like, I'm a professional writer. My sister is an academic. And we both love the show so much that when we talk to each other, we sound like fucking hockey bros because we love (laughs) Riley and Jonesy so much. Um, But yeah, it's a great show. Go watch it. Letterkenny rules. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I've seen it like so much on Hulu and I've I've watched like the first I want to like go back through and just watch it all like in one binge because it is like it's so bingeable. Like yeah, it's such it's a it's a show that's bingeable. meant to be binge. It is because the, the episodes are only like 21 minutes and there's like I think six or seven in a season. So it's not a huge commitment. So you'll be sad when you run out of episodes quickly. But also, you know, there's a lot to watch. So it's an easily digestible chunk of TV. Well, speaking of, um, my geek out of this week, um, I have two geek outs. Great. So one is uh, Jenny Slate's Netflix comedy special. So good. (sighs) It's her first, which is like so unbelievable. I can't believe she hasn't had one on Netflix already. I know. Um, She is such a special person. I mean, she she is is just such a lovely human being. Yeah. And she's fucking hilarious. She's Um, so funny. And I just, I love how she's so funny and she doesn't pull any punches and she's so emotionally vulnerable. Yes. Can't speak vulnerable at the same time. And that just, it shines through in that special, like, yeah, it's so funny. The I the I watched it last week, and then that bit where she has where she's talking about how haunted her parents' house is, and when oh she God. was so afraid to go and wake her mother as a child, yes. that bit came across my Twitter feed today, and I just I cackled about it all over again. And I'm going to stay with friends this weekend, and I know I'm 100% going to bully them into watching it oh, because you have to. it's so You're good. doing them a favor. I am. Um, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, so so our, yeah. our mutual friend. And uh, Jason Tabris. Um, oh, his interview with her was her. so good. Yeah, and he like, I mean, he's the one. He was like, you need to like check this out because he's he's been interviewing a lot of um, comedians lately. A lot of mm. comedians have had some uh, specials on Netflix, um, and he was like, there's just something about this one that felt so refreshing and mm-hmm. so like he was like I felt like maybe I was done with like talking to comedians for a while and, and everything after everything that's like gone on this year and everything sure and this kind of you know restored his faith in <laughs> comedy specials a little bit um yeah sorry Jason I'm putting words into your mouth but also that's what you told me so um right. yeah so that's that's high praise and it does I mean she is so it's it's kind of like a mix between a special and like this kind of little documentary, like a mini documentary, because yeah. you get to see a little bit inside of her life. She takes you to her childhood home. You meet, you her, meet family. her family. Now, did you watch um, Gary Goldman's uh, special on HBO, The Great Depression? I did not. Okay, you it's should like, watch I've that. I've heard good things. It's a very similar thing. I hadn't watched it. My best friend is knows like everything about stand up comedy. Like she's the best. Um, and she told we watched it together, and she told me she was like, "You have to watch this." And it's got a very like the 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 theme of the 
special is very different and the jokes told are very different, but it has that similar element of like taking you behind the scenes that is mm-hmm. also done really well. So yeah, if you liked Jenny Slate's, watch Gary Goldman's The Great Depression. Yeah, it's Both just great. nice. It's nice to see like the other side of this. And she's she's like so open about her stage fright and yeah. and things. It's just nice to see the work that goes into this because it's more than just standing in front of a mic and, and like saying jokes. some jokes, you know? Right. I loved that scene that played over the credits where she's just dancing alone. Oh my to god! In the, her in uh, her blank in her, Yes, <laughs> it's so good and just so. She just seems like such a wonderful, genuine person, and I just wish that I could hang out with her because she seems like a delight. I want like only good things for her. I hope her. I hope she like really blows up and gets the the parts and the things that she wants because she's just well, so and talented. She's, and she's such a talented actress too. Um, oh yeah. I mean, and and she she did this with her frequent collaborator. What is her name? Um, she oh, directed Obvious Child. Yeah, uh-huh. she directed Obvious Child and Landline. Now I gotta look up. I gotta look up what that director's name. Know, they've worked I together know. in the past. That. Also, like, super good movies, both of those. You should watch yeah. those. Yeah. Obvious Child is so good. Um, Jillian Rose-Pierre. She also yes. She directed the special. She's directed two mm-hmm. movies with Slate. It's just great. So good. Yeah, but they yeah. have a good working relationship. They do. Um, and then the other geek out that I'm going to recommend, um, because we are so refined here at mm. uh, just a couple of our slings. We're readers, um, you guys. We're readers. <laughs> we read real books, okay? They have pages. What? And you can hold them in your hands. And you know what? This book, I even got it as a hard copy. Me okay? like too. Hard cover book. Yeah. yeah. So we're not playing around. Um, <laughs> it is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Yes. Um, it is about the Harvey Weinstein... Uh, story the sexual assault uh allegations and everything that he he broke that story basically yeah um and it's a story that has been trying to be told for a very long time as you find out in the book yeah um so it's it's even more impressive that he was able to do it but it also like digs into a lot of you know a lot of questionable behavior by NBC and specifically like the people that he worked for um, at NBC, not all of NBC, obviously, but uh, yeah. So it's just interesting. It's an interesting look at how powerful men can manipulate systems to benefit themselves. Sure. um, And how it takes very like dogged determination to kind of stand up to that abusive power. He, he really suffers for it. And, uh, the women that you know agree to tell their story also suffer for it. So it's a really it's a really interesting book. There's some drama. There's you know there's some you know parts where he's talking about the private eyes that have been hired to follow him and keep tabs on him. It I reads mean, it like could a thriller. Be a movie. Yeah, it yeah, reads like a, a thriller. And I think I think you know I I haven't finished it yet because I'm working on rereading The Golden Compass, but I read some of it. And I will say the only thing that kind of gives me pause is it's so centered on him. And, like, Mm -hmm. I get that because it's his story that he's telling. But I would like to know a little bit more about the women that this happened to. So I think it's really good. I think will be I think it'll be really good to be read as a companion piece to um She Said, which is by um Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi, who yes. broke the story. Um and so I think and that one focuses more on what happened to the women. So I think these are really good read as companion pieces, you know, how he uncovered it and then, you know, what happened. And so there's a there's a lot of books about this out right now. There's another one that I read. Um, did you read um, Know My Name by Chanel Miller, who was the girl who was um, raped by Brock Turner? Oh my God, no, but that's on my list. Her mem- it's It is so beautifully written. Like, it's absolutely devastating to read, but she is such an incredible writer. So yeah, there's a lot of like really intense, dramatic stuff written right now about this whole movement, and it's all really, really well worth reading. But yeah, I picked up that book on Friday and I know I won't be able to put it down once I really get into it. Yeah, it definitely reads like a movie or like a TV show. So yeah, um, if Make you're it. not like super into reading, you know, just keep that in mind. Right. It's It'll be a sh- it will be a show be a at one some day. point. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, um, make this miniseries. <laughs> calling it now. Yeah. All right, guys. If you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at SciFiWire Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode. And until next time, destiny is all bitches.